most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The first reading from Jeremiah chapter 20. The Lord will defend us and pick us up. He is our strength, even in the face of opposition. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction, so whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more of his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. The word of the Lord. I don't want to be an ostrich with my head buried in the sand, not knowing what's going on around me. Nor do I want to grab a bullhorn and stand on the corner, turning people off, blasting out my opinions as though I have answers for all the troubles going on in our society, culture, and world. Yet, we Christians know that all of what God says in the Holy Bible is true. And then there are those times when we speak up of what God says is true, but when we do, way too often we feel a little skittish and like we need to clam up because we're pretty sure that the politically correct crowd and the tolerance police will get right in our face and tell us to zip it or take a hike. How do we deal with that? Well, for one thing, we want to keep in mind that we Christians aren't the only Christians who have received flack. Millions of Christians over the years know what that's like, and I'm not talking just over the last few years when political correctness and pluralism keep pushing in on us. No, I'm not even talking about just over the last few decades or last few centuries. 2,600 years ago, Jeremiah, the prophet of God, stood up for what's right and took a lot of flack. 
for it. But he learned to live in a hostile society with confidence and contentment. Would you like to do that? Then listen to the message that Jeremiah himself brings us from his book, today's first reading, in his book in chapter 20, especially appropriate for the young adults who today will be publicly confirming their trust in Jesus. The encouragement for you, my young friends, and for all of us. Stand up for what's right. If I'd be standing here in this pulpit, which I am right now, but holding up a very nice ancient clay jar, holding that up and then proceeded to denounce all of your sinfulness and waywardness against God by saying, God says, I'm going to bring judgment on you for all your sinfulness. And then threw the clay jar down, smashing it to smithereens and saying and shouting out, God says, as this clay jar is smashed, so I'm going to smash you. What would you be thinking if I did that? Maybe a few of you might be thinking, boy, pastor, go get him. But my guess is most of you would be looking over your shoulder for the guys in white coats coming down the aisle to haul me away to the loony bin. Jeremiah the prophet did that clay jar thing. He proclaimed to the people of the ancient nation of Judah and the capital city Jerusalem, God is going to come with his disciplinary action and destroy your city. And then takes the jar, smash! When Jeremiah did that in front of lots and lots of people, you know what happened. A lot of people unfriended him on Facebook. And there were a lot of big shots in town who then saw to that that he was beaten and put in the stocks. But how long do you think Jeremiah continued proclaiming that message? How many times do you think he repeated this coming destruction of God's disciplinary action on wayward people? How, how often do you think he preached like that? Maybe one long sermon? Maybe over a couple of Sundays? Maybe over a couple of months? Mm-mm. Jeremiah proclaimed that message of condemnation every time he opened his lips for 40 years. This was his whole ministry when he's in the temple courts in Jerusalem and walking through the streets of ancient Jerusalem. And sad to say, the people just refused to listen, which was very frustrating. And frustration can lead to despair. You can just hear it in Jeremiah's tone, can't you? He said, Lord, when you called me to serve you, you deceived me. And I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed, so I had to do this. But I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone makes mocks me and makes fun of me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. If you find that you are in a position to finally speak up for what's right, I got news for you young adults, you confirmands. That will happen in your life 
and there are going to be times when that's not easy to do and doesn't feel so pleasant. Unfortunately, this is the reality of living as a Christian and you are confirming that you're going to live and hold to God's promises of love to you and live as a God would want a Christian to live, but you will run into flack and that is not always so fun. Sometimes it can be frustrating when it seems like people don't want to listen to the truth and frustration can lead to despair. But you can be bold and confident just as Jeremiah was. When you realize that what you are speaking, just as Jeremiah did, is not, these are not your words. Stand up for what's right. And speak the truth. Yes, in tenderness and in love. Because the words you are speaking are not yours. They are God's. Don't you just love the story about the two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus on Easter afternoon. You, you remember that story, don't you? These two dudes are shuffling along, all bummed out and depressed. What happened to their teacher, their leader, their Jesus, you know? And they're all, they're all bummed out. And all of a sudden, the risen living Lord is walking alongside of them. Of course, he's preventing them from recognizing who he is. And then he proceeds to explain that what is troubling them so much the thoughts of this bloodied cross execution. And then the rumors that he had come back to life. He explained to them that it was all predicted in the Old Testament scriptures. And it all had to happen so that all sins of all people are forgiven. And by the end of the day, he disappeared. And then these two turned to each other and said, Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us along the road and opened the scriptures to us? I just, I just love that line. We're not our hearts burning within us when he opened the scriptures to us. It reminds me of what Peter and John said to each other when they were told, don't talk about Jesus. They said, well, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. If an IRS worker came and knocked on your door, and said, oops, sorry, we made a boo-boo on your taxes over the last 10 years. We owe you $10,000. Here's the check. My guess is you probably tell somebody the good news. People who have their first baby splash the news out on every possible social media outlet, and they text their friends, and some even take time to send snail, snail mail announcements they're just so happy, they just got to tell all their friends the good news. If a distant aunt passed away and willed you $2 million, you might keep that a secret for a little while, but eventually, you just have to get it out. God's mercy and compassion to sinners like us, his forgiving love, is actually more important and more special than a tax rebate, than a newborn baby, and then than a huge inheritance. Why? Why is it more important? Because without it, I would be stuck. And so would you. Without it, I'd have my hand caught in a cookie jar, thinking that I can just act and say like I am and I'm okay, when in reality somebody comes along and says, No! What you just said, what you just did is wrong. Cut it out. Without his forgiving love, then, I'm, then I fall into that pit of self-pity and I have a hard time climbing out. But in spite of my 
failures. Too many of them. In spite of my shame. In spite of knowing that God should whack me eternally. He comes to me and does his Emmaus Road thing. And opens the scriptures. And proves to me again and again that I am his and heaven is mine. And he does that for you. Are not our hearts burning within us? But then we come across a friend who is obviously in the wrong or has sinned or is holding on to something that is obviously contrary to scripture. Are you eager to speak to a person like that, to a friend like that? (laughs) Probably not. Your heart may be burning within you, but maybe not for joy. Maybe it's heartburn. (laughs) And maybe it's a little bit of the fire of the Lord's anger against sin. That's what was gnawing at Jeremiah's gut for most of his ministry. Sure, in his book that we have in the Holy Scriptures, there are plenty of comforting and wonderful Passages of God's love and mercy woven in. But his main job, his main mission was to proclaim the condemning message against their rebellion and their wickedness. Because God told him to do that. God said, Jeremiah, you've got to say this bad news of these people or they will never appreciate my love and forgiveness. They have to know how bad off they are to appreciate the good news I'm going to bring them. You've got to tell them. And so Jeremiah focused on God's words. And told the truth. He stood up for what's right. Even though it put himself, he put himself in personal danger. He said, I hear many whispering terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. And Jeremiah said, all my friends are waiting for me to slip. Saying, perhaps he'll be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. And if you read through the book of Jeremiah, it's not short. This is 52 chapters, but you can make it. It's understandable English. And if you read through, sure enough, what do you see? Jeremiah uh, had a death sentence hanging over his head. At one point, the king of the ancient nation of Judah stole his sermon scrolls and burned them. He was dumped into a muddy cistern for a time. He was put in a dungeon for a time. He was under quarantine, under guard for a time. It wasn't easy, but he stood up for what's right because he says, if I say I will not mention God's word or break or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I have to say God's truth no matter how hard it is for people to hear. What is it that makes us afraid? If we need to talk to a friend or somebody we really care about, who is either in the wrong or has sinned. What makes us afraid to say anything? Maybe we're afraid that they're going to think that we're trying to be better than they are. Maybe we're afraid that we're going to hurt someone's feelings. But think of the consequences if we don't speak up. Our friend would be in danger of losing their connection, their relationship with God. In danger of losing their spot in heaven. Stand up for what's right. And my dear young friends who are to be confirmed, I know how important friendship relationships are to you. And as you step into high school, they're going to seem even more important. These friendships are. But stand up for what's right. Even if it means losing a friendship, it's worth it. Why? Because our relationship with God and their relationship with God is more important than anything else. 
The last book of the Bible is a book filled with imagery and pictures. In the 11th chapter of that book, there's a picture of God uh, describing an imagery that he's going to channel his mercy to sinners through messengers, through Christians. But then as you go in through this 11th chapter of that last book of the Bible, the imagery then shifts and shows that there are people who oppose God's truth, enemies of God. And it looks for a while like they are winning the battle and that God's messengers lose and are defeated and are killed. And then right then as we're reading this imagery in chapter 11 of the last book of the Bible, we're thinking, uh-oh, is there any hope? Will there be any good news ever? And just like that, in this imagery in that chapter, we are reminded that God doesn't die and neither does his church. And God's messengers are raised to life and they stand victorious. And I'm reminded what somebody once said about the last book of the Bible and about the whole Bible. I read the book to the end and we win. That's what Jeremiah experienced. If you read through his whole book, 52 chapters, but if you get to the end, it might seem when you're reading it like he's a loser. Because cowardly countrymen grabbed him and ran away from Jerusalem when it was being attacked by the Babylonians, even though God said they should stay there and take it and he'd protect them. No, they ran away and they grabbed Jeremiah and took him to Egypt. We don't hear about Jeremiah anymore. We assume he died in Egypt. And you'd think, what, was he a super loser? Not at all. Jeremiah stood up for what's right. And all of what he predicted came true. God's judgment on unfaithful people of the nation of Judah and Jerusalem came true. Jerusalem was destroyed. The people were deported. But Jeremiah also predicted that after 70 years, God would rescue his people, allow them to come back and rebuild the ruins so that people from that nation would be the ancestors of the promised Savior who would be born from that nation and it happened. In Jesus Christ. Even though Jeremiah lived six centuries before Christ was born, he was confident in the ultimate victory of his Savior God. And he could sing. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, in you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. My young friends who are about to be confirmed in a few minutes. Here's the reality. We rejoice with you today. It's a significant moment. You're now instructed the truths so that you're ready to say, yes, I'm faithful to what I received from my God in baptism, his love, and I'll be able to commune and receive the Lord's body and blood. But you're going to live a life in a real world. And there will be times when you'll have flack. And what happens then when we face our fears, when we have flack around us, when we look at our feeble efforts to stand up for what's right. Can we still sing? Can you still sing and rejoice? Yes, you can. I don't think I can say it any better than the Apostle Peter did. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be, 
you may be received by him when he comes and is revealed in glory. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. God does not ask us to be conceited or self-centered or self-oriented or haughty or offensive or rude or tactless. He wants us to speak the truth in love. So stand up for what's right and let God bless his word in his way. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.